Well, it looks like a few people have made it back from little vacations and things that were going on last week. Uh, I was really thankful to have my parents come and visit uh, this weekend with me, and we actually camped together at a local campground. I'll be honest, I did not get much sleep, so um, I'm running a little bit on empty as far as brain power, so just be, uh, be gracious with me this morning as I share God's Word. Um, but we had a good time, and it was good to spend that time with them and to get some things done here at the church uh, this weekend. Next weekend, I think that my wife's going to make it down with me, and we'll be getting some things ready in regards to the house so that the week after that we can move. So we're really excited about that. Um, today, we're going to continue our journey of faith together. Last week, we learned that through the account of the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land, Ten came back and gave a bad report to the people. And Joshua and Caleb stood up for the Lord. And they stood up in faith and said, no, we can take this land. We can overcome. Okay? The issue, the problem was that the other ten spies were not looking in faith towards God. They were looking at the circumstances around us. And we talked about that. We were challenged as we looked to the future of Seneca Community Church. Not to look at the circumstances around us, but to look, keep our focus on God. Not to listen to, maybe there's rumors or criticism or things like that around us, but to focus on God's truth, his history of faithfulness of what he's doing, and to the godly leaders he has put in place, like Joshua and Caleb were. Finally, we were challenged to serve him today, and not to get overwhelmed about tomorrow and the things that are going to come tomorrow, because he's already taken care of those details Uh, One thing that I learned since last week's message that I just wanted to share with you, um, we had talked about very briefly about the Nephilim and how um, the the ten spies who gave a bad report, they kind of exaggerated things and lied to the people to scare them. And they had talked about the Nephilim and kind of brought up this this myth or this rumor of this. And uh, actually, it's recorded in Genesis 6 about the Nephilim And one of the things that I noticed was that it was before the flood. And God says that he destroyed everything from the earth except for Noah and everyone who was with him on the ark. And so there could be no existence of Nephilim since that point in history. So they really were grabbing onto a myth to make it seem more scary to the people. So that was just something that I noticed later on in my studies this week that I wanted to go back and share. All right, we'll get to today. Today we're going to continue our journey by looking at Abraham's example of how to trust God when you don't have all the answers. When you leave behind the familiar and the comfortable and you follow God into the unknown. Can you trust him in that? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. It is powerful, it is effective, it is sharper than a two-edged sword as we talked about with the children. Lord, we ask that you would convict us. Lord, we ask that you would challenge us again to grow in our own faith and in our journey and in our walk with you, God, and help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When we found out that Katie, was my wife, was pregnant with Jaden, we were shocked. We had planned on serving as dorm parents for another two years at least. But now we would have to leave the country for his birth. We could no longer continue as dorm parents in the ministry role that we had gone to Papua New Guinea for with a baby. It would have been just too much to handle, and we wouldn't have been effective at that ministry. So much work had been 
tons of work had been put into bringing us to this point. We looked back and we thought, okay, we'd sold our house. We, we moved away to Missouri, went through a year of training. We came back. We raised support. We packed up our sold belongings, and then we packed up the other belongings, and we shipped it to Papua New Guinea, and we moved to Papua New Guinea, and we learned the language, the national language in Papua New Guinea, and we'd just gotten in kind of the swing of dorm parenting. It was our second year of dorm parenting, and now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, God, what's going on here? This was not our plan. Why is this happening? What are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? We had a lot of questions. We had an unknown future, an unknown destination in front of us, and we didn't know what to do. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. You can turn your Bibles there. Genesis 12, 1 through 8. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to, to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At, the time, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. I want to set up the context. Ooh, that's a little different than... That's okay. I'm going to set up the context for this um, passage that we're about to go into. Since the flood... The descendants of Noah have multiplied and spread out throughout the earth. As people migrated eastward to the area of Asia, they gathered in a plain to attempt to build a tower to the heavens. Many of you know of that as the story of the Tower of Babel. Okay, so out of man's pride, they they tried to see what they could all accomplish together in building this great tower. Um, God disrupted their plans. He confused their languages, and he caused them to spread further out throughout the world. In the midst of all of this, okay, people spreading out all over the world, these generations since Noah, God has had a history of interactions with his creation through the line of Abraham. And I trace this back, I believe it's seven generations from Adam to Abraham. And God was in the midst of that working with his people, okay? And I'm just going to trace that with you. Enoch was one of Adam's sons. In Genesis 5.24, it says that he walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. One of Enoch's sons was Methuselah. One of Methuselah's sons was Lamech. Genesis 5.29 says that Lamech knew the Lord. That's not just a knowledge of there being a God out there, but the idea of a relationship, of an understanding of who God is and how he works. Okay, Lamech knew the Lord. 
One of Lamech's sons was Noah. Genesis 7.1, we see that Noah is seen as a righteous man in the midst of a wicked world. Genesis 8, we see that God makes a specific covenant with Noah not to destroy the earth again. Genesis 9, God speaks to Noah personally with his sons present, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. One of the sons, Shem, has Terah, okay? And Terah has Abraham as a son. And so you can see God has been interacting with his creation in a loving way, and there has been a history of a relationship with God from Abraham's line traced back to Adam. And that's important because in the midst of a world that's already filled with many nations and languages, God is still cares about his creation. And he's still in a relationship with mankind. There are a lot of people who today who will say, yeah, there may be a God, but he doesn't care about what's going on in this world. He doesn't care about what's going on in my life. He's not a personal God. And that I would beg to differ with that. The scripture says he is not a God who is far off, but a God who is near. Abraham has a personal understanding of God that has been passed down to him through his family line. And so it's no surprise when we get to chapter 12 here in Genesis that God shows up and speaks to Abraham. And I don't think it's a major surprise to Abraham because of the history within his family. And so we start in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I've got to remember which way to point this. Okay, first thing we're going to look at is the challenge of moving. Everyone loves moving, right? I don't know. I don't know. There might be some people out there who can beat us, but we have moved 11 times. And our move here will be our 12th. And Lord willing, our final for many, 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 many years. That's our prayer. Okay? And I have to say, it doesn't get any easier. And especially each move, we've acquired more children. I don't know what that's all about. And of course, along with each more children comes more stuff, more toys, more everything. And uh, thankfully, the Lord has allowed us to trim some of that down throughout our extra moves. But it's still just, it's overwhelming, isn't it? Leaving everything familiar is hard. Now, with Abram and his family, they may have moved from Ur, and I'm going to show you a map in a little bit, to Haran before God had called them to move to the land of Canaan, to the land of promise, or God may have called them when they were back at Ur, and then they moved to Haran, and they were there for a while, and then they went to Canaan. I'm not sure exactly which. In Acts, it mentions that God spoke to them when, and called them from the land of Ur. So, but here in this passage, they're in Haran when God speaks to Abraham. Um, so, but the idea is, it's already been a long journey for the whole family. They had come from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran, and that's probably over a 500-mile journey. And they had settled in Haran. They had settled, they had established themselves. It's evident that their family had grown, even though Abraham doesn't have personal descendants at this point. They had acquired servants and more possessions, and it implies that in verse 4 when it says, So Abram did as the Lord told him, and lot with them. And uh, they departed from Haran, sorry, verse 5, 
all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. So it's evident they'd been there a while. They'd established themselves. They'd gained more possessions. They had grown as a clan, if you want to phrase it that way, with servants and people that were in relationship with them. And so now to think about kind of gathering everything up and moving, that's got to be overwhelming, especially after you already made this huge move. Okay? This had become home to them. I can relate to that. When we were at Rothbury Community Church, we were there for seven years. We had our first three kids there. It felt like home to us. That church family was our family. And it was hard to think about going across the world to another mission field and leaving all of our family and all of our friends behind. Fear of the unknown is the next aspect, the challenge of moving. I wanted to hit on this just a minute. The thing that you'll see here in verse 1 is he says, leave your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In Hebrews 11 and 8, it says Abraham went not knowing where he was going. Okay, so there's an idea here that Abraham is packing up and preparing and heading out and he has no clue where he's going. Or what it's going to be like. And I was thinking about this. There's, a, there's kind of three challenges to this. First of all, the destination. Imagine, we live in a day of, of all kinds of media and helpful things with moving, okay? Imagine no Google Maps, no TomTom or Garvin, Garmin, no GPS, no cell phone. Just pack up and start walking somewhere, okay? Probably no convenience stores along the way to ask for directions, <laughs> All right? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, try explaining this to your wife, because I can imagine Sarah is like, so where are we going, Abraham? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? How am I supposed to pack for this? I mean, will it be hot? Will it be cold? Will there be water? Will there be food where we're going on this journey? How, how do you know even to pack, or what kind of clothes to, to bring? What will the terrain be like? Mountains, valleys, deserts? You know, are we physically able to handle this? The next part of that is distance. Distance. It was probably between 800 to 900 miles of walking. Even though in a straight line it's only about 600 miles from Haran to Canaan, if you were to take that in the natural way you would have to walk it, you don't walk it in a perfect straight line, because of the terrain and everything, it's more like the 800 to 900 miles. Abraham is 75 years old. He's already made a long move. I'm sure that he's probably wondering, he doesn't know where he's going or how far it's going to be, will they physically be able to handle this length of a journey? I mean, you know how you feel after one long day's drive with your kids in the car. (laughs) I was trying to imagine three-month-long walking journey my feet are tired. My knees hurt. i got to go potty. Can you carry me on my shoulder, your shoulders? I mean, it could go on and on. At a fast pace of 20, 15 to 20 miles of hiking, it would have taken two months. It's more likely between the large group, the rugged terrain, the livestock, having to find water holes, that this was at least a three-month journey, if not more, to make this walk. Okay? And the third element that we have to think of in the challenge of moving is danger. Okay? They don't know what they're going to face. They don't know what kind of health risks they're going to face. Is there disease where they're going? Is there um, sicknesses? Is there going to be fresh water for us to be able to drink? Okay, what about disasters? 
When they're going across the desert, they may encounter sandstorms. Okay, they may, they're going, they're going to be trespassing, basically, through other people's lands and other nations. Okay, will they be attacked by bandits, tried to be robbed? Will they be predators? Will they be lions, coyotes, whatever exists over in that area that may attack them? Okay, so there's danger as well. So, if you were living your life, weighing your pros and cons, deciding, is this going to be worth it? Should we make this trip? Looking at the positives, looking at the negatives, I think all of us would rather stay home safe and comfortable. But God calls us out from there. And he asks us to walk by faith. And he always gives us encouragement and reassurance along the way that this is his will for us when it seems impossible. And that's one thing that we saw last week, God reassuring um, um, Moses And we'll see it here throughout the whole story of Abraham, how God is always there reassuring him as he walks by faith. The second thing we're going to see is the motivation. Whoa, I jumped ahead. Oh, no, this is the map. Okay, this is going to be fun. Are you ready for this? That's a suggested area for Ur. I've seen it located further north, east of there. But they probably walked all the way through that river valley the whole way. And lived in Haran for a while and then walked to the land of Canaan. That was fun. I like doing that. Okay, so we're going to look at the motivation for moving. This is verses 2 and 3. I will make of you a great nation. I'm going to call this motivation multiplication. God is saying, I'm going to give you land, people, a numerous amount of descendants, and prosperity. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Okay, you're going to be multiplied, all right? The second thing you see, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'm calling this reputation. Oh, it is all up there. Okay, reputation. All right, I will make your name great. You'll be a blessing. When we think of the nation of Israel, it's still a center of focus in our world today. When stuff happens there, everybody pays attention to it. Okay. The nation of Israel had a reputation. As you see God working, as you saw as they were coming into the promised land, that people had already heard of them, they had already heard that God was with them, and people are afraid usually when they come into town because God had given them a reputation. He had made them a name that was great. The third thing you see is protection. God says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who dishonor you. This could have to do with protection from warfare. This could have to do with protecting their reputation and God's name. Remember, there's many times where God was moved with compassion and grace towards his people when they didn't deserve it for the sake of his name, wasn't he? For the sake of his name and his glory because he recognized, okay, if I totally destroy these rebellious people, people people associate my name with these people. And what are they going to think of me? Right? So God's reputation was also at stake. And so there's an idea of protection, of honoring and upholding that reputation of the people. Um, and then the third thing is the Messiah. In you, all the families, and it's talking about in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we know later on, this is quoted again in the New Testament, speaking of Jesus Christ as our Messiah, as our Savior. Okay? The next thing we see is that Abraham acts in faith. Verses 4 through 7, he acts in faith. So Abraham went, just as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. 
Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brothers, and son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. Um, when they came to the land of Canaan, yeah, that's enough of the passage. Okay, so Abram, his nephew Lot, and their whole entourage make this long journey to Canaan by faith. And we don't really hear of anything that happened along that journey. I'm sure there were lots of events along that journey where God showed that he was protecting them, where God showed that he was going to make their name great and he was going to be with Abraham as he made this walk of faith. Okay, but we do see some events happen when he comes to the land. I'm sure that Abraham was looking back as he made this journey on the history of God. Maybe he knew the story of Noah and how God had protected Noah and his family when they went on the ark. Maybe he knew some of this history that had been passed down through his lineage. And so by faith he trusted in God personally without knowing what was to come or where he was going, and he made that journey. The next thing we see is Abraham is tested. Abraham is tested. First we see that in verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morak. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, when God said, go to the land that I will show you, and he says that I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to establish you, all right, I'm sure Abraham has in his idea, in his mind, that God has kind of prepared this place, that he's going to be able to just move into it and settle and build his house and be comfortable. But when he gets there, there's people already living in the land. Abraham was not at home in the promised land. It's already occupied, and all he can do is pitch his tent on the border. Hebrews 11.9 says, By faith, speaking of Abraham, he went to live in the land of the promise as, in, as if he was living in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Acts 7.4-5 says, Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there, into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give to it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him. Okay? God, why did you bring us here? Only to long for a home. To not really possess this land. The second test we see, there's a famine. Okay, we see that in the next verse, okay? Uh, Where is it? Okay. Now, in verse 10, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And I was thinking about that. Okay, God, we left a fertile land. That whole path between Ur to Haran was between two rivers. It was probably very fertile, very lush, great place to grow things. They've arrived in the promised land, only to see that it is in a... Severe famine and drought. And I can imagine him in his heart saying, we left this fertile land to move to the barren border of a promised land. Okay. The next thing we see, chapter 14. No, not chapter 14. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Okay. Is that Sarah is kidnapped. And this relates to everything going on as well. Abraham is worried. He pretends that Sarah is his sister, to protect himself. 
Okay, and she is taken by Pharaoh, and she's kept in his house for a while. I was thinking about that. God had promised Abraham that he would make into him a great nation. And now Abraham's wife is in possession of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Okay, God, you're going to make me into a great nation? You're going to establish me in the promised land? But it's barren. I can't live there because other people already live there. And now my wife is gone? Okay, these are tests for Abraham. And the next you see the land choice, the last test. The land choice. Okay? Um, Abraham, gracious uncle that he is of Lot, offers first choice to Lot. As they're looking out, let me get, grab the verses. Chapter 13. Okay, then Abraham said to Lot, verse 8, Let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. I brought this picture from my parents who got a chance to go over to um, Israel and, and tour and, and see a lot of the land and pictures, right? Or, Dad, you... This picture is from you. <laughs> so, anyway... I might be confused on that. Okay, so this view, and it's hard to tell in this picture, but right underneath where it says Jordan River Valley is the river going through, and you can kind of see in the picture how everything looks really lush and green. Things look like they were grow really well. Okay, Abraham and Lot are standing up on the mountains behind that to the west where Bethel and Ai are, looking to the east over the Jordan River Valley. And... Lot says, I'll take that. He looks over that green, lush river bottom land and says, I'll take that. And he moves there. Okay, so Abraham's standing here on the mountain, and he's like, so he turns and he goes back west through the rocky, hilly mountain, dry, barren area. The land choice. Abraham might be a little discouraged at this point, in my mind. But God meets him there. God shows up again. Okay? Chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. He's probably still standing on this mountaintop, okay? Look from the place where you are. Look northward, look southward, look eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Even the land that Lot just chose would have been in that view for Abraham. God says, all of this is going to be yours for your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. God reaffirms his promise to Abraham during a time when Abraham's probably feeling a little bit discouraged about the recent events of his life and of this journey to the promised land that he took by faith. And God reminds him of his promise, and God shows him a little more clearer picture of all that God is going to give him to encourage his heart. When we walk by faith, there are always discouraging moments but I have seen so many times where God is always there to reassure us, 
to encourage us, yes, you are going the direction I want you to go. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Keep walking. Keep walking this way. When we choose to follow God by faith into the unknown, there are always going to be times of doubt and testing along the way. God, is this really what you meant? God, this isn't going the way that I thought it would go. God, why is this taking so long? I think we've all asked those questions at times. Our transition as a family back to the U.S. was very difficult, waiting on God. It was one of the hardest times for our family. When we left New Tribe's mission, to be honest, we felt alone. We kind of felt we lost our association, you know, because originally I was a pastor, so I felt associated with this church, and then we were with New Tribe's. When we left New Tribe's mission, I kind of felt like we'd lost all, besides our own personal family, all connection. And we felt alone. And we didn't know how financially how we were going to make it. And we weren't sure anymore where God was directing us. I just honestly, I didn't know for sure what God wanted us to do while we were here. And I was praying about that and I was searching in many different ways. But I didn't know, God, what do you have for us to do? Where are you taking us? I'd been turned down for a teaching position at the Bible school. They didn't need another teaching staff member at that time. I'd been, I had personally turned down a job opportunity as a pastor of young adults in a larger church in Ohio that had been offered to me because I just felt like it wasn't the right fit for us and our family. And I was just questioning, Lord, what, what direction do I go? I was working at a convenience store, which was thankfully taking care of our needs because we didn't have to pay for housing, or I don't know how we would have made it. Thankful to my wife's parents for that. We were honestly, we were struggling as a family. I was working all kinds of wacky hours. I was coming and going at all different times and not seeing the kids for a couple days in a row and things like that, and it was hard. It was difficult. It was difficult to have any kind of spiritual routine with a family, any spiritual rhythm to my own life. It was a time of discouragement and frustration for us. During that time, God also reassured me in many ways. He personally affirmed me as a pastor through a number of different people. He grew me through reaching people at the convenience store, growing me in compassion for the people who are coming in there, buying their alcohol and their cigarettes and their lottery tickets, and are just, they're lost and they're broken and they're just, they have no answer. And Lord was moving me with a greater compassion for the community around me. He developed my preaching through the, through the aspect of we went around and we spoke at many different churches during this time of transition, and that was hard, but it was also good for developing me as a pastor and a preacher. He clarified for what I was looking for in a church and also my vision for future church ministry. So those are things that God was doing along the way to reassure us and to direct us in walking in his will even though we were discouraged and we didn't know exactly what he was doing and why it was taking so long. Now we've made the journey. Now we can look back and see it all clearly and say, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I see why you were doing it. And I'm so thankful, God, for where you've brought us. God had all of this in view for Moses. He has that all in, sorry, he had all of that in view for us. And he saw all of those circumstances. And he had the same thing in view for Moses. Even though Moses couldn't see... Ye- Why am I talking about Moses here? That's a typo. <laughs> Abraham. Abram, okay? <laughs> God had all of this in view 
for Abraham, even though Abraham could not see all of it yet. And he sees all the circumstances of your life and your future as well, just like he did for us. He's prepared everything ahead of us to teach us, to grow us, and to use us as his people. There are still unknowns ahead, unknown things ahead for all of us in our walk of faith. Um, for me, this is my first time pastoring a church, and so there's unknowns ahead of, for me, things to learn, to grow in, and walk steps of faith to take. There's steps of faith for you to take as a church with me as your pastor. That's part of our process of growth, and we don't see all those answers yet, but God is there. He's already working in all those circumstances, and we have to remember that. And remember our theme verse, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Where was Abraham's focus through all of this? Well, it's alluded to in Hebrews 11.10. I want to read that for you. I'm going to start in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an, as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of the promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The Bible refers to us as aliens and strangers in this land as Christian believers. There are going to be times when we don't feel at home here in this world. Abraham did not feel at home even though he made that journey to the promised land. But by faith, he trusted what God said. He trusted who God was. And he continued to follow God. And by faith, we follow God knowing that this present world isn't all that it's about. There is an eternal home that all of us get to look forward to. So how do we respond with faith for the unknown? Put aside our comforts and desires in response to God. I'm going to read from you, for you Matthew 10, 37 and 38. I thought I had it marked, but I don't think I do. Matthew 10, 37, 38. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Too often in our day, we want all of our comforts. We want everything in our lives to kind of work a certain way. But that's not walking by faith. God always wants to take us outside our comfort zone. God always wants us to take a step forward when we don't have all the answers. And he is faithful in those steps. And we may have to leave things we love behind for the sake of following Jesus Christ. But it will be worth it. Also remember that following God may not turn out the way we thought it would, and we may encounter trials, but it is always worth it. James 1.12 talks about how um, we will encounter various trials, but the testing of our faith produces perseverance. James 1.12, let me read that. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Okay? Faith is the assurance, the confidence that we can have of things that maybe we don't even see the answers to yet. And thirdly, obey God's call and you will be reassured by him. And I'm just amazed, again, as I see God's grace and how he, even though we kind of stumble along our journey of faith, how he constantly moves in our lives to reassure us and encourage us and help us to keep walking by faith. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, many of you know that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Also Romans 8, 28, many of you know that verse as well. And it says, for I know... Um, this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, we will be assured by, reassured by God. He will affirm us, he will encourage us, and we can trust that he's working all this out for his glory, for an ultimate purpose, and for our good. And so let's go to prayer as we close. Father God, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the reminder as we look at this journey that Abraham and his family took to the promised land. And they faced trials and difficulties, and yet through all of that you proved faithful. Through all of that you were there to be gracious and to encourage Abraham as he went through these tests and these trials and discouragements. And you're working out a great purpose in, a, in establishing the nation of Israel and showing yourself faithful to Abraham. God, thank you for the way you grow us and you work in our own personal lives on this journey of faith. Lord God, help us not to get caught up in the circumstances of our lives. Father, help us not to hold on to our own comforts and desires, but help us to walk by faith. Lord, as a church family, as we look towards the future, um, we don't know what you have in store for us yet. We don't know the place that you're going to take us, the ministries you're going to establish, the way that we're going to impact the community. But God, we can be faithful today. And Lord, we can keep walking by faith, and we're excited to see what you are going to do here as we do that. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.